0: Welcome back to the show. The Izuzu Ute A-League kicks off this week, October 7, live on Paramount+. Plus. And Simon Hills, the host of the Global Game, 9pm tonight on SEN. He's been good enough to join us. Simon, great to chat.
1: Good to talk to you, Jules. How are you,
0: mate? I'm very well. Now, Simon, before we talk about the A-League, I mean, seriously, what Erling Haaland is doing in the Premier League at the moment is ridiculous. We all know he's a good player. We've seen what he'd done at Borussia Dortmund. Man City get rid of Gabriel Jesus. They get rid of Raheem Sterling. Already the best team in it. And then you bring in Erling Haaland. I mean, is it blowing you away what he's done?
1: Yeah, he's a freak. Uh, <laughs> he is a freak. You know, I've I watched him. I was over in the UK at the start of the season. I, I watched three times. Um, and watching him live, you just realise not just the size of the guy, but how quick, how strong, how intuitive he is. Uh, to start his runs probably a fraction of a second before anybody else sees that the pass is on. And when you've got players like De Bruyne mm. and Foden and Grealish and Mahrez and all the rest, you know, supplying the bullets, it's almost an unstoppable combination. Um, I, I don't know how many goals he's going to score this season, but, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be 40, it could be 50. I mean, he's, what is he? He's on 14 already. He scored uh, three consecutive home hat-tricks. Uh, it's just ridiculous. I, I haven't seen a player like him and haven't been excited by a player like him at, at Man City since I watched Trevor Francis in 1981, which is probably when you were still in short pants, Jules. So, uh, yeah, he's he's very, very exciting. And, and obviously, you know, for City fans, hopefully the, the missing link that's... That's going to bring us a Champions League this year, but we'll see.
0: And his record against the all-time greats is just incredible. So after 100 appearances, 103 goals, this is in major European league career um, competitions. Romario yeah. had 90 goals from his first 100. Ruud van Nistelrooy, 86. Um, and you go Mbappe, Kane, all these, he's well ahead of all of them. So we're we talking about a player yeah. that yeah. is going to be an all-time great.
1: Well, he's he's set in all sorts of records. I saw a a couple of stats over the weekend. Um, One saying that he'd he'd hit three hat-tricks in eight games and the next best in the Premier League, I think, was Michael Owen on 48 games. You know, I mean, that's... (laughs) That's the sort of ridiculous numbers we're talking. I, I did see another funny one that said Phil Foden is the first man to score a hat-trick <laughs> in the Manchester it. derby since Erling Haaland nine <laughs> minutes ago. Um, uh, so, yeah, look, it's 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 great for us. Obviously, not too great for the competition, but, um, you know, I don't care
0: about them at the moment, to be honest. When was the last time <laughs> two players in the same game scored a hat-trick? Uh,
1: it it will have been done. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you off, off the top of my head. I mean, certainly for, for City... I, I remember in 1987, goodness me, this is going back a bit, and I was actually there when City beat Huddersfield Town 10-1. <laughs> and David White, Tony Adcock, and Paul Bolden all scored three hat-tricks hat-tricks. in the same game. Yeah, a triple hat-trick. So it's it's not something that's done very often, but uh, to do it in a Manchester derby is, is just phenomenal. And, you know, it really showed the gulf between the two teams, which, I, you know, I never thought I would see... In my lifetime, um, it's it's almost becoming routine that we not just beat them, but we hammer them, which um, <laughs> after, after 40 years of watching it the other way, I'm quite enjoying I must yeah. admit. Yeah, Sir Alex
0: Ferguson and uh, Roy Keane didn't look like they were enjoying it uh, too much the no. other day. Just one more on the Premier League. I hate to ask this. It turns my guts. But are Arsenal the real deal? <laughs>
1: Uh, look, I think they're certainly much improved from last season. It, it's it's early days and, you know, you do look at the strength of City and, and I, I do think Liverpool will come back into things. I know they've had a poor start. I, I think Arsenal are going to be top four for sure. He's got his structures worked out. I, I think Gabriel Jesus, and to be honest, when City let Gabriel Jesus go, I wasn't too happy because mm. I really like him as a player and you can't deny that he's, he's added something to Arsenal's team. Uh, Zinchenko, too, to a lesser extent. I, I think he's had a good off-season in terms of transfer signings. They look much more solid. You know, Arsenal was a team that was... They go away to play Burnley or a Stoke in midweek, and you think, oh, you know, that soft centre could could cost them. It looks as though... it, And it's still early days, but it looks as though they've sorted that out. Um, and you, you can't argue with the start they've made. You know, seven wins out of eight, and they're rightfully top of the table. But the bigger tests are... Are yet to come, namely when they play us.
0: <laughs> when it gets cold and wet, they'll go to water, like they always do. Uh, let's get on to the A-League, Simon. It starts on Friday night uh, with a rematch of last year's grand final between City and, I guess, the surprise champions last year, Western United. And just looking through at some of the predictions for the season, not many predicting United will be up there again. H- how do you think they'll go as defending champs?
1: It's always difficult to know at this time of year because you can make as many predictions as you like and, and you know, five rounds in, it just makes monkeys of us um, because we don't see them too much in competitive action for, for so long. The one thing I will say about Western is that they've managed to hang on to most of the squads that's, that won the championship for them uh, last year, which I think was John Aloisi's priority, particularly Alexander Prijevic, who I know had a fair bit of interest overseas. He's added James Troisi, which, you know, should uh, fill the gap left by Alessandro Diamanti in the early part of the season, whilst he regains full fitness. I, I think they'll be competitive, but history shows it's very, very difficult to go back to back. And of course, all the other teams have invested and probably improved as well. So uh, I think they'll probably be in the finals. But, um, you know, wh- whether they will win the title again. Yeah, that, that, that might be too much of a stretch, but you never know.
0: City and Victory are the favourites with many. Nani's had a fantastic record at Manchester United, world class player at his peak. What sort of yeah. impact do you expect him to have in the A League at this stage of his career?
1: Well, if you combine uh, Nani, who's obviously you know,
0: been there, done it, got the t shirt
1: at, at the very top level of the game, along with the coaching of Tony Popovich, and I think that's the crucial elements here. Uh, I think you could have, you know, a marquee that really has an impact on the game. And not all of them do for various reasons. And obviously, he's got to keep his fitness. He's not played an awful lot of football over the last 12 months or so. But Tony Popovich got the very best out of Shinji Ono, if you remember, at Western Sydney Wanderers when he came here in similar sort of circumstances. Uh, And I think victory will be much stronger for having Nani in combination with, you know, the excellent coaching of of Tony Popovich. They're already a good side. Uh, They haven't lost too much during the off-season. They've added one or two other players as well. I I think victory are going to be very, very strong this season. They were were close to getting to the grand final last year and winning the Premier's plate. Would not be surprised at all if they went one step better this year.
0: How exciting is it to have Daniel Arzani back in the A-League?
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, obviously we'd have probably preferred it had he, um, you know, made a, a a really good fist of his his time overseas. But that was hindered by the fact that he got a, a horrible injury when he was with Celtic. And what we've seen in the Australia Cup so far, um, albeit, you know, it must be said mainly against MPL opposition, that he's still got that ability. He can still turn games. We need a little bit more end product from him. Um, but he, he's got his, his body right and that's the important thing. And again, I think the coaching of Dwight York will help him. He's got good players around him. Uli or in particular, Al-Hassan Toure, Lockie Rose, MacArthur look very potent up top. And you know, if Arzani can recapture the sort of form we saw at Melbourne City before he went overseas... Then Macarthur are going to challenge very seriously this season as well, and hopefully Daniel's going to be back in the international reckoning because, you know, with, with a guy of his ability, he, he certainly deserves to be there.
0: Speaking of Simon Hill, host of the Global Game here on SEN, as we count down to the start of the Izuzu Ute A League season, which starts uh, this week, and just on obviously great start for Dwight York and Macarthur winning the Australia Cup. Unfortunately, a lot of the headlines out of that game have been about some pretty ordinary behaviour in the crowd. How have you yep. seen? how Sydney United have handled it and, and what should the punishment be? Should there be a punishment for the club? Obviously, going to, they're going to try and track down the individuals and we're all calling for life bans mm. for them. But what, what, how do you think that will all play out?
1: Well, look, I think there has to be some sort of sanction handed to the club. Um, from what I'm led to believe, the rules of the competition states that the home club of which Sydney United were that uh, the weekend against MacArthur in the cup final, nominally, even though they played in Parramatta, uh, are responsible for you know the behavior of, of their supporters on the night and unfortunately what you know what we saw was not good enough in in many regards so i think there has to be some sanction um certainly for uh, the booing of the, of the welcome to country and uh, you know i've heard one or two people say oh they didn't they didn't hear that it was going on well you you know you've you still got eyes in your head you can yeah. still see what's going on i thought that was hugely disrespectful Uh, more seriously of course is some of the fans who are uh, pictured doing fascist salutes or what appear to be fascist salutes that's got to be stamped out those individuals have got to be identified and as far as i'm concerned you know banned from the game for life there's no place in football for that sort of stuff um so it's, it's Look, it's it's a very difficult problem. Uh, I know Sydney United got some very good people involved in the club. They put out a statement uh, 24 hours ago uh, condemning you know that behaviour. They're going to work with Football Australia to try and um, track down the perpetrators, and hopefully they they will be punished. But yeah, I, I think the club has to be sanctioned. I'm sorry to say that yep. it's it's not the fault of the people who run the club, but. Uh, You know, action needs to be taken. And I'd like to see Sydney United, and I'm sure they'll do this, um, you know, clamp down on on any of those sort of people that attend their games on a regular basis because it's, it's, you know, it's given us bad headlines and just at a time when we didn't need it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, well said. Speaking of headlines, uh, your show last week made international headlines uh, for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Uh, How did it feel in that moment? Yeah.
1: Damn scary, yeah. I can tell you. Um, obviously, you know we're talking about Alicia Carnavas, who's our women's football correspondent, and uh, you know as everybody knows by now, she was uh, carjacked, or at least it was an attempted carjacking, when she, when she was live on air. And obviously, we heard the screams. We had no idea what was going on. We couldn't see Alicia, um, and you know the line went dead for a, for a second or two, and. Uh, you know, quite honestly, Jules, you, you don't know what to think. Um, all we could do was was try and get in contact with her as quickly as as possible uh, in the aftermath, which we were able to do, and ascertain that she was okay, and had managed to get out of that situation. And you know, uh, thank our lucky stars that she's she's okay. Um, but yeah, it's something that's you know never happened to me before during my 30-plus year broadcast career, and um, something I hope never happens again. It was it was awful, but you know. We we only lived it vicariously. Um, Alicia had to live it in real time, and you know my concern was for her. I've spoken to her a few times. She'll be on the show tonight, and she's fine, which is great. But um, yeah, just just horrible, horrible.
0: It was horrible. Great to hear that she'll be on the show tonight. Uh, we'll all be listening. Simon, thanks for your time. Pleasure,
1: Jules. Have a good week, mate.